Welcome back. Let's talk about Shark Tank. Well, kind of really. Not really, but yes. Uh, today on the podcast, we have my dear friend, the incredible Sean Finnegan, uh, who is an incredible entrepreneur, businessman, human being, and this podcast is loaded. Um, he is business partners with Kevin O'Leary and Tax Hive, massively successful there. Now helps people with communication and it, it just this breath and this podcast. I'm literally recording this intro right now for you and I'm processing like hundreds and hundreds of notes on both sides because he even managed to ask me questions <laughs> and I basically broke down an entire model for you to use in your customer journey and your coaching model for yourself and how to work that way. We talked about all of his lessons as an entrepreneur, uh, his failures, how to su- apply them his favorite books for communication, for leadership, principles to apply to the business, mindset pieces. Like this one is absolutely loaded and we're going to do multiple parts. Uh, Sean's going to fly out here for us to do another one. And it is just juicy. Have a notebook. There are probably 150 actionable takeaways in today's podcast about relationships, about scaling your companies, about yourself, about how to do the work. It's absolutely incredible. And so I'm blabbering on. And I can't even do this episode justice. So, Sean, thank you so much for your wisdom, for being on the show. For those listening, get ready. Here's an episode with Sean Finnegan. I love you. Enjoy. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. I am stoked, I'm honored, I'm humbled, I'm excited. I was telling today's guest before we got started that this is the only podcast I have today, but I'm kind of tuned in and excited because every time I interact with this man, I hear his name, I see somebody mention him, I see a clip of him, I always have the same exact experience. I am just met with humility, empathy, leadership, integrity like the structure of a man that I crave to be and the model of what I believe to be a man in business and life as a father, as a coach, as a mentor, as a business partner. And I'm just really kind of excited and humbled to welcome today's guest. So Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, George. Appreciate it, man. Man, I'm, like I told you, I'm super, super excited to be here. So I'm just like honored and humbled and I'm glad we got it to go. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, glad to be on. You know, we had this conversation. Maybe it was a month or a month ago or so. And your wisdom and your mindset. I mean, it, it made a big impact on me in a short period of time. I, I literally um, the books that you recommended. I went out and did the contacts you recommended. I reached out to, and and I, I felt like I was kind of going through the motions at the time when we had our conversation. Yeah, and just making up, doing my thing. And it was like just the masculinity stuff and like bringing passion back and loving life made a big impact oh man so that's why i was like i gotta get back and get engaged yeah well i I think anyone who's watching has got to be engaged with you because it it, i mean in a short period of time it made a huge impact on me well i'm i'm so honored to hear that because i feel the same way about you (laughs) and i'm like okay well as long as we keep this relationship going we're gonna win the game but um for those people that are listening to my show that kind of don't know 
your accolades, your genius, kind of how you got to be here. Would you mind just kind of painting the picture because you are so incredibly renaissanced across the board mm-hmm. and wisdom to get mm-hmm. to this point. And I would just kind of love to hear. Yeah. So I, you know, I was raised by uh, a dad who was a bookstore manager. Mm-hmm. He was a bookstore manager for 40 years, yep. literally didn't leave. The, he had the same job for 40 years, knew down to the penny what he was going to make an incredible human being, but kind of like picture a bookstore guy, right? Just calm, cool, collected, incredible individual. And then I had this, uh, and then we had five children in our family. So he was trying to raise five kids on 40, 50 grand over 40 years, Mm. right? So I have this mom who's a scrapper, side hustle, like like raising five kids and figuring out how to go make money while you're raising five kids. And so she was like really a lot of my early inspiration of, hey, if you want to go out and get it, you've got to go. You know, you got to go pound the pavement. You actually have to make things happen. Like I, I was in a position growing up. I, I if I wanted uh, any kind of allowance, I wasn't going to go to my parents. Mm-hmm. My dad, who's a bookstore manager, my mom, who's running this side hustle. We were her marketing arm for her preschool that she started, <laughs> and all these stuff that she was doing. So for me, it's like I had to learn early on. It's like, hey, I got to go hit it myself. So I, I, I early on, I sold everything I possibly could. I sold my neighbors. So if I wanted allowance, I had to go. Like I remember buying some pen pencils at the time for a, uh, like a five to 10 cents. And then I would go and hit my neighbors up for a quarter. I mean, that was one of like the hundred things I would sell. I'd sell on the playground. That's how I, I made my money. And yeah. I feel like that's what helped shape me is that sales experience and just being a scrapper. Yep. Yeah. God, I love that. I love that. And so where did you like, where did you dive into entrepreneurship though? Right? Like, so mm-hmm. was it, Mm-hmm. go to college, get a job? Or was it, I always want to be an entrepreneur because you had that grind and knowing like I grew mm-hmm. up so similar, right? It was kind of right. like, if I want to eat, I have to feed myself. And that hunger never yeah. really went away. I didn't really fit into a box. So what was that like for you? Yeah. So early on, I, you know, I did the corporate thing. I did college, I did all that stuff. And then my first business, I decided to launch in 2009. Okay. And if you know much about 2008, bad recession, <laughs> yeah. I decided of all times in history, I'm going to launch a business to make an impact on the world. Yep. And uh, we didn't, I didn't have an office at the time. I had no job and I had no office and I didn't have like resources really I came from. So we would go to a sandwich shop, me and three dudes and sit in a and literally a booth and just awkwardly stare at each other trying to come up with a business. Uh-huh. We had a computer in front of us and we had a spreadsheet. So that was my first crack at it in 2009 to say, hey, I'm going to go launch out here really on my own and and form a business. Okay. And then was that was that TaxHive, the first one? Or? No. no. Okay. Well- no. So this was a business. We came up with a business that we wanted to do, which was a live events business. Okay. So Go, go out and sell tickets, put incredible thought leaders on stages. That was the business at the time. And so we created this plan and I, I still had the spreadsheet that in the spreadsheet, according to the spreadsheet, I was going to be a millionaire in a short period of time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. It was like I was a spreadsheet millionaire. Yeah. And so I was pretty stoked because I had this plan and I felt like, hey, this was how I'm going to make an impact on the world. And I took that plan. Two, the second thing is, is like I've recruited some people, I had some operations people, marketing people. I actually created a small team of people and actually had a business now. And then my third piece is I had to go raise money. And so for the first time in my life, I was pre-revenue and I had to sit down with 23 individuals, angel investors, 
and convince them that I had this plan and I had these people and I was going to go out and create really good cash flow from that. So that was over a six month period. I pitched 23 people and it was, that was a hard, that was a hard pitch, right? It's like, Hey George, I got this business. I haven't created a dime in sales yet. Give me a quarter million. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. So I raised 1.5 in a six month period. And so I had 1.5 in the bank. I had a good group of people and I had my plan. So if you were to get a time machine right now and go back to 2010 time and say, to go talk to that, Sean, I was like, I felt like I was king of the world. Like I, I felt like I just come from no resources and I had a 1.5 million in my operating account and I had a group of people that trusted and had faith in me and I had this incredible plan. So that was my first crack at it. Uh-huh. My, I'm business partners currently with Kevin O'Leary, the Shark Tank guy. And one of the comments he makes is yep. in business, in business poo poo happens, right? <laughs> yes. And for me, I think I've made every mistake you can make in business. I mean, there maybe there's a couple out there I haven't made, but I think I've made most of them, and I made a ton of them in that 12-month period. Mm -hmm. So I went from 1.5 million to losing, hemorrhaging money literally for 12 months. I wasn't hitting my targets in what I had projected in sales. My operations was bad. My first event I did was with David Bach, yep. the automatic millionaire. Um, he wrote a, an incredible book on it. And I paid him 60,000 bucks to speak for 30 minutes. And I did tons of direct mail. I sent it out into the market. And that direct mail had problems. And it hit like a week after my event. Oh. So my event, I did, let's just say I lost probably 50 to 100 grand at the event. Yep. That's a dark day, mm -hmm. right? That's And as a promoter, if you're standing up there and there's 12, you know, 20, 30 people in the room and you have your room set for 300, 400 uh -huh. people. And you're standing up there, you feel like crying and then digging a hole and then uh -huh. jumping in. Right. So that's just one example. So I lost uh, the, the short of it is I lost 1.5 million in 12 months, mm -hmm. all of it gone, not paying myself. Yep. 12 months. It's, it's disappeared. It's, it's, it's destroyed. It's gone. So I still remember like at this point, I've also hawked my house. I've hawked my cars. I've hawked my, and my cards are destroyed. I mean, everything. And, uh, for me, um, really a low point for me was on a Thursday night because Friday I had to tell people that I had basically 2,500 bucks on the bank and my payroll was 3,500. Mm -hmm. And so I knew the next day I had to wake up. I told the payroll company not to do direct deposit. And the next day I had to go meet with individuals that had faith and trust and confidence in me. And I was going to tell them, Hey, I can't pay you. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people focus on, you know, we always talk entrepreneurs, Hey, you're there to, you're going to, you're there to solve people's problems, which I believe in, but there's a difference between problems and the pain I experienced. The pain was my problem is I had a failing business. I wanted to solve that clearly, but my pain was a different level of pain. And we've all been there too, where you, it, it's run so deep that, I mean, it was a physical in my bed that night, fetal position night, because I mean, I, I, I didn't sleep a wink. I still remember like looking at my ceiling and, and freaking uh -huh. knowing that the next day I had to wake up and, and tell people this, yep. it's just, it's embarrassing. You're supposed to be the high flying CEO incredible guys making an impact and you had 1.5 million and the whole story is gone yeah. and it's embarrassing. 
and you feel horrible. So uh, the next day, morning wakes up. I'm praying for a miracle. There's no miracle. Uh, I go to lunch. I'm hoping for a deposit of some sort. There's nothing. I go to lunch with my business partner at the time. We sit down and we're like, have we overturned every rock? Do we have anything else we can pull from? And there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, and I get a phone call at the time. This is crazy. I get a phone call from my controller and she's like, hey, I was digging around the office and in the uh, safe, um, I found uh, $3,000 in petty cash. What do you want me to do with that cash? And I was like, hang on to that cash. I'll be right there. I screeched my tires literally and drove back to the office. I picked up the cash. And as we all know, going through struggling times, cash, the advantage of cash is it's king. Yep. And it clears immediately, right? Yep. So I, run, I, I fly over to the bank. I go in to the teller and I deposit the three grand in cash and we cut physical checks for each individual on my team. And for whatever stupid reason, I remember the brown color on the text, uh, the, these checks and I hand wrote out, I still remember handwriting out each individual of the check. And uh, I remember driving back to the office and I remember I hand delivered this check as a contract to each individual on my team. And we made payroll by 1500 bucks. Yeah. And I, I was like, you know, I think all entrepreneurs, they get motivated by success. We all talk about the principles of success. But for me, the most powerful, earth-shattering, changing, you know, what caused changing me the most was going through a failure, mm-hmm. a real failure, a hard failure. And I've had many more, I could tell. <laughs> but this was, uh, this caused changing me that afternoon. I said, I'm not going to go through that again. I'm not going to do it. So I did two things. Number one is, is I called some sales buddies of mine that I knew sold. And I was like, hey, here's my problem. I got great people to talk to, but I don't have anyone to come sell it. Can you guys help me? And they're like, yeah, do you need me in a couple of weeks? Or I was like, no, can you be here Monday? And I convinced four guys for whatever reason to be there on Monday after their work to help me sell. <laughs> and uh, I, so I love good salespeople. A lot of your following is salespeople. Yeah. I think they get a bad rap. Yeah. There's bad salespeople, but there's bad operations people. There's bad finance people. There's there's, but they're for the most part, salespeople treat the customer with more respect and love and create more business than anyone in the organization. Yeah. They're incredible. Yep. So on Wednesday I got my first sale that was four grand and it felt like the heavens opened and angels descended and hand me four grand. Cause I mean, I, I made payroll that week. Right. Uh-huh. So that was number one. And number two is um, I said, I failed on my own and I need to be uh, honest with myself and know that, hey, I need to get a team around me that's actually really good mm-hmm. at certain areas of business. And, and so I said, from that, from that moment on, I said, I'm going to go out and build relationships in business. And I reached out to a couple of incredible business part- people at the time and they partnered with me. They brought all their relationships to the table. And that one thing is what changed the trajectory of my business. I was able to go on a run. We were able to pay off all those investors, the 23 of them back, plus interest, and take the business back personally and go on this crazy run. But it was only because of relationships I built. So if you see me everywhere and like on the stuff and the events I go to, I put the highest value on relationships. Um. And that's why, like, I've got to be out there with you and your group 
and building those relationships because I have had a firsthand, firsthand experience on seeing business multiply because of relationships. Yeah, I, I, I have so many feelings in my body right now as you were sitting there describing laying in bed that night because I started having physical reactions remembering those feelings and the numerous, hmm. numerous, numerous times. Uh, and to add credo to what you said, even in those times, I was experiencing that because I wasn't leaning on or leveraging the relationships that I had around me or investing in them. Mm. And it was this isolation mm. and suffering. And, you know, mm. I, I can't speak to it enough. And I talk about it on this podcast a lot, but I, I, I think it's really, really important to understand that, like, the more you're willing to go into these things and these conversations and, like, to face these things head on, the faster you're going to learn that like we're all responsible for the results that we get but people are the secret and and how we treat ourselves is like one of the biggest ones and i'd say like in those moments and for everybody listening what i love sean about it is like i can feel the level of integrity that you have in your core for people like the value of your word and like what that means and i think i was blessed in the military by force to learn what team really meant but it's this like mm. feeling that i can't let go of that like even in like the mm. lowest of lows like in the darkest of darks mm. knowing that there's somebody or people there that can't make it better but they can see me and i don't feel alone in it right like and and mm -hmm. i felt that to a point in my life so much that i think i just crave it so much in every mm -hmm. relationship that like i push so hard in business and stuff for it because i've seen the power of it in Afghanistan, in Somalia, in a boardroom, in this mm. situation, in my own. And, and I think we forget about it all too often. And I think in the world we live mm. in now, it's like we got to remember that people are on the other side of the computer. They're on the other side of the Facebook. They're on the other side of the DM. Like they're not all bad mm -hmm. people. They're not all bad salespeople. They're people. And we forget mm -hmm. that, you know, we can connect as people. So, yeah, man, I... <laughs> I just remember a lot of feelings when you shared what you shared and it's, uh, it's incredible. Um, one thing that mm -hmm. I, I think is huge cause you said communication and you said relationships and I've, mm -hmm. I've heard you speak and I've watched a lot of your content and I love the way that you think about communication. And even like in the lens of, you mentioned like your business partners with Kevin Leary and tax hive, mm -hmm. but even the yep. lens of how you speak about framing that when I think somebody asks you like how did you pitch Kevin and you you tell this mm -hmm. story but like everything mm -hmm. for you is about communication and having people mm -hmm. feel seen and can you talk about that because I feel like it's so ubiquitous across the board whether it's pitching or talking to your team but your yeah. your view on that is so powerful I would love to hear that yeah so I you know I I talked to I, I talked to a whole group of salespeople like they're door-to-door -door people yeah. like a month ago with my buddy Kyle Deaver's stud company they sell windows door to door, but I, I got up and spoke to him and I was talking about this, the value of relationships because, you know, I talk to entrepreneurs on a regular basis and they always say word of mouth and they always say referral based business, right? It's kind of a badge of honor for them. And I love it. I think it's the best way to, to build business is build room relationships. It's the best currency, right? Mm -hmm. But most people I talk to actually just don't they don't have a whole system and a plan for building that business with relationships. Yep. So anyways, I'm presenting to these uh, sales team and talking about the value of that. And they came up with 
their question, we did a Q&A and their question, most common question was like, what do I say? What do I say to a George? Like, George, like at your event, I guarantee you are a magnet in that room. There's some intimidation factor there. Do I feel like I need to launch into a pitch to you? Like, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And and I really feel like the best advice is um, Stephen R. Cubby's first seek to understand and then to be understood. Yep. Right. Just just genuinely ask people good questions. I, I always ask, hey, what are you working on right now? I'd love to hear about your vision and what you have going to just figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, I, I have spent a lot of time with Kevin. And one time I, I went to the mall, his computer blew. He was doing a presentation at Harvard and his computer, computer literally blew up. So he had to go to the mall. <laughs> so I drove him over to the mall and him and I were the only two people together going to the mall and the mall was packed. Yeah. Oh, in, Bo- in Boston, lot, in Boston, by the way, with Mr. Wonderful uh-huh. outside of Harvard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it was a, it was a nutty experience. And um, so, like, I think between the parking lot and the computer store, he got pitched 30 times and it sounded like this. Hey, Kevin, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. And got all these people. That's all they do is like, I got this. You got to you got to look at my stuff. It's like and not one of them asked a question. Yeah. It's like, hey, Kevin, tell me about what, what's your biggest priority? What are you working on right now that you that's really driving you? And where do you see, you know, your Mr. Wonderful brand going? Like, if you can understand what's in their universe and say, well, this is actually how I can fit into what you're doing versus this is how you can fit into what I'm doing. Yeah, I I I love that. I, I remember when I saw that clip, I was just thinking about e- one of the things that I notice about myself, like I create quotes and things to remind myself. And one of my favorite quotes is uh, that a shaman shared with me is a student says, I already know. And a master says, thanks for the reminder. Right. And I think about this in the lens of questions and the lens of communication and, and even radical responsibility for me um, is even in the lens of all those people pitching Kevin all the time, right? I need, I need, Mm -hmm. I want, I want, I want, I want. Yeah. Lately I've been realizing like one of my filters is even talking to myself like that. Right. And not even asking Mm -hmm. myself questions and almost being agendized in my own brain to just Mm -hmm. be in the motions of like what's there. And I've found, I'm actually Mm -hmm. like recording a podcast on this later of like modes of operation and just questions to ask and the power of questions to create communication. But like even thinking Mm -hmm. about that is I realized that when I go to people and I go to my friends, I go to you and I will find myself mm-hmm. in shadow sometime and be like, Sean, oh my God, like I need this and this and this, or I'm doing blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And like not ask you a mm-hmm. question. It's typically because I've noticed that I haven't sat with that enough and asked myself the questions to be able to mm-hmm. find the clarity. And so it's been this yeah. really, really powerful gauge, but mm-hmm. it's somebody for you who like really now focuses on like communication and I, and I love this mm-hmm. for you. You, you have this spread like tax hive, right? Tax mm-hmm. planning, consulting, right? You have the podcast, yeah. you have this live yep. event space, you, you speak mm-hmm. to all of these people. And what are mm-hmm. what do you, what do you see as some of like some of the big mistakes or the big things that you're constantly hearing about as you're speaking about communication so that we can paint the picture of things that people can focus on? you know, in their business or with their team or with whatever. Yeah. So I, I always run into this. Like, I feel like 
like a lot of guys will say I'm word of mouth, but they're horrible at get asking and receiving for referrals. Yes. Right? So I worked, worked with a company called Pitch 59 and their stat says that 87% of your customers are willing to give you a referral, but only 4% of them are asked, right? So I, I'm always like, I, I'm always like, whenever I go to an event like that, I'm like, I want people to leave there. And this is probably how you operate with your events and everything is you want them, true change is going to happen when they leave that room yep. and they start implementing this stuff on their own. I would not love nothing more for them to implement yep. just even asking for referrals as an example yep. or receiving referrals yep. and really honoring the person who gave you the referral and following up on that. Yes. Most entrepreneurs just don't follow up, right? They might even receive, like, let's say you have a relationship. You introduced me to some incredible people. Yep. And I followed through on every single one of them. Yep. And I, like that is so valuable to me. And I think it's the best compliment someone can give is that you had a relationship with Amy we talked about for years who went through your program yep. and was incredible and crushed. Yep. And you felt so good about the relationship with me that you introduced me. I feel like that's an honor, first of all. And I, honor you for the uh, intro and then I follow through with them and I like to give you updates on what, what it is. Right. Yeah. And I think most entrepreneurs, they just, they'll meet someone. Oh, I really like that George. And then they get home and they're like, I should, yeah, I feel awkward even reaching out to that person mm -hmm. versus like when I'm at an event, I say, Hey George, I would love to learn more about what you have going and your events, everything else. How's your Tuesday at two o'clock? Yep. And it's just the, the, the real money is made in the follow-up. A thousand I percent. I and I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think we talked about this, but for everybody listening, this is book recommendation time. The Go Giver by Bob Berg and mm -hmm. and David Mann. And I had Bob on the podcast, and and they're both incredible, wow. and I love them both. And mm -hmm. um, but like I took some valuable lessons from that, and and even even me, Sean. Uh, since I'm just breaking the fourth wall on this podcast, uh, one of my shadows is hiding in service without asking for reciprocity back, right? Because mm. I can justify it as, oh, no, I'm helping. No, no, look, I'm, mm. I'm supporting. No, look, look, I'm pouring into people. But I'm like, wait, mm -hmm. this isn't a needle mover in my business. This is a, yeah. a blank, right? And so for those wondering in, mm. in the book, the way that I break this down, I talk mm. about this at the events, is that reciprocity is like an ATM machine. And you can make mm -hmm. as many deposits as you want, but you can stand in front of that machine for as long as you want. And until you put a pin in and request an amount, nothing can come out. Mm -hmm. And you will That's be so standing there perfect. for a long time. And in the lens of so relationships good. and referrals, and I'm going to even teach a class in one second for everybody listening. If you remember the podcast or any of them where I talk about customer avatar, and I teach you the before state, the objections, and the after state, which is the story we, we need to tell for people to take a journey. I also tell you that the most important and most neglected fucking column on that entire document is the fourth one, which is asks. And that is mm. once you've taken somebody from a before state to an after state, in any increment, you've earned the right to ask for something. But we mm. never take the so time good. to think through what we want to ask for or what we could ask mm. for. So then when we're presented with the opportunity, we say nothing and we're like, oh, I didn't ask. And yep. I'll give an example for everybody because we were doing a book strategy to launch a very, very big book with a very popular person. And we were doing bundles. And we mm. built these bundles. Well, they built them and we came in and then um, the biggest bundle was like 25. And I was like, why is the biggest bundle 25? They're like, well, no one's going to buy more than 25. I'm like, how do we know? 
And they're like, well, we just know. And I'm like, I don't think so. We went back and forth for hours and we ended up fighting about it, but then agreeing. And we made a 250. Well, we made a 50, a 100, a 250, a 500, and a thousand book bundle. And uh, it didn't take much more than agreeing to the package dynamics and putting it up there. And then when we launched the book, mm-hmm. the first three that sold were the thousand book packages. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, Amazing. I asked this question to everybody listening. If I only had 25 as the biggest option, do you think somebody would have bought 25 times four for a hundred mm. equals times 10, 40 for a thousand? No, mm. it would have never happened, but we failed to ask. Mm. But we also forget that in relationships, in a relationship, you're either leading or you're following. And if you're an entrepreneur, I believe if you're present, your job should be to lead. And in that you're making influence. But if you're in a relationship at any touch point and you have somebody's attention, that attention should never end without a next step or else you're not leading the relationship. Mm. You're just leaving Mm. it stagnant and them in the same place where you found them. So that might mean, hey, go read this book or, hey, I'd love to hear what you think about this in a week or, hey, I'd love to follow Mm. up or, hey, write this on a sticky note or, hey, shoot me an email. It doesn't have to be give me your credit card. It doesn't have to be Mm. anything. It just has to be another deposit in the momentum Mm. of the relationship and either the direction of you building the relationship or in the direction of them getting closer to somewhere that Mm -hmm. they would like to be. And so I think it's huge. So for those listening, like when you read The Go-Giver, those five principles Mm -hmm. and those five values are really, really the way to live. But in credence to what Sean is saying, understand that in referrals and in relationships, and this is the hardest muscle for me, and it's one that I still I still struggle with sometimes. And I don't even want to say it's like a struggle, but it's like the muscle isn't flexed easy, right? Because mm. there's humility involved in it. And sometimes I have other emotions like shame or guilt mm-hmm. or fear mm-hmm. or sadness. And then you're like, okay, well, here's another breakthrough. And then I even did, just so everybody knows, I did it to Sean before we started recording. And I was like, hey, Sean, just so you know, I want to be in integrity. So can I catch you up on life? So I feel like we're on the Mm -hmm. same page. Right. And those Mm -hmm. those come with emotions and feelings. But we have to be willing to make those asks. So I wanted to kind of add some credence to what you said for everybody listening. That's so good. I I I think I'm going to take a big chunk of that and share it on stage. I'll give you credit. Oh, please. I I love the ATM example. I love the book example because it's absolutely true. And uh, I, the most common thing I hear in networking and engaging with people is don't be transactional. Don't be transactional, which I, I agree with. You're not going to launch straight into your first meeting with like, Hey, give me your credit card. And, but, um, I believe that if you really want to build a deep relationship, you end up doing business with someone yeah. like, like you just mentioned, Amy, she like the relationship's so amazing. You've, you've worked together for so many years mm-hmm. because you have business together and that. And so I like a lot of it's because everyone keeps saying, don't be transactional when the time is right. And you know that there's a great alignment with your businesses. That's where entrepreneurs, they freeze up. They're like, oh, I don't want to be known as that person who's transactional. And I don't want to say, take advantage that you see it just, just like you said, it's time to take a withdrawal because you've built this incredible relationship that you're in a position where you have that trust that you can ask for something yep. and get it. Yep. And the ones I have the best relationship with, I do business with, and I end up talking to them every single week. Yep. I mean, there's real depth. There's real friendship. I can I can reach out to them during those those hard moments, and I can get a fresh perspective from people like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think 
one of the things that I use for myself as my own barometer is I realized in, and I've been, <laughs> I've been reflecting on this line for about seven years now. And like from the first time I found the go-giver and wanted to start living this way, but now transactions I love because transactions are required, but only when it's fit and not force. Mm. For me, the transaction is just the Good. gate to the next game. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really mm. easy if it's fit. It For me, I always struggled mm. and realized that my barometer was right. And it was like that client wasn't right or I wasn't as confident or there was something that mm -hmm. wasn't there. And so I was always fearful. And so for me now, I just I run it through the lens of is it fit or is it force? Right. And then I have no problem being like, hey, I'm going to make this book recommendation and you're going to go read it and put it into practice and we'll jump on a 30 minute call and I promise you it'll work. But after that, like if you need more, we're going to have to figure mm -hmm. out how to do like an hour chunk or a, a something blank. Right. It, it just becomes yeah. very, very easy. And it's mm. really principally based in the, the lens of like what's required to have a foundational relationship. This is how we communicate mm -hmm. with our children. Hey, we're leaving yep. for school in an hour and a half. We need to do this. I need you to not do this. And then when we get here, mm -hmm. don't do this, right? With our spouses, yeah. with our team. And so mm. I feel like Love that. a lot of these principles too is like when I talk about this to everybody, I'm like, if you ubiquitously apply these everywhere, the byproduct is the withdrawals sometimes basically present themselves in the ATM machines. Like you stuck your card in, hey, hit enter. And you're like, oh, enter. Mm. Right. And so I just, yeah. I think it's a, a really, really good reminder too. And, and, and for those listening, especially if you're in like the service base, word of mouth referral base, reciprocity base, like you love adding value, which is a lot of people here also check, like, are you making withdrawals? Are you willing to ask? Right. And then mm -hmm. you can figure that out. Is it, I'm not asking because maybe I don't feel like it's a good fit or maybe it is a good fit and I might be missing something. But in that work, you can then go put on those pieces of like, oh, well, and, and I, I said this on a podcast the other day, but it's a really, really good question. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel qualified to charge $10,000 for this deal. So I won't make the offer. I'm like, well, great. Ask yourself a different question. What would the back end of your business look like in the next day? for you to feel confident in charging $10,000 for that offer. What would mm. a $10,000 business look like? What would a $10,000 mm. offer look like? What would the structure look like? What would it, and maybe you won't find all of it, but if you find a few pieces, it might put some mm. things into place. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so brilliant. I, the first, the first uh, big kind of brand I pitched was um, Terry Bradshaw. So if you, when I was a kid, I like I had a I had Tony Dorsett and I like Terry Bradshaw and I liked I'm a Bronco. I love yeah. Broncos, but uh, but I love Terry Bradshaw because he was just freaking made of grit. Do you know yeah. uh, Do you know John Wellborn? Uh huh. Uh, yeah, John. Yeah, I don't know him, but yeah, he's I know. he's one of yeah. my best friends. He's speaking at my event. He's been on the podcast. I'll have to introduce you guys. Dude, I'd love to. Oh yeah, see that, and I'll follow through on that. I'll actually, I'm gonna tell, it. I'm gonna actually tell him to have you on his podcast because he has power. I love athlete it. And let's do that. I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to have him. Yeah, and that's what I love about George. Last time we chatted, some guys would say, "Yeah, I'm gonna introduce you." 
all of a sudden, I have right after I got boom intro, intro, intro. I freaking love it that you follow through. Yeah, and but and, I, and uh, here's my hack, just so everybody, I'll I'll break yeah. the fourth wall, just so everybody yeah. knows. Like we got yeah, all. Tell us, tell us how you do that. Like literally, I will tell everybody, and I'm gonna do it today. I'm going to do it today. So listen, yeah, I have ADHD worse than all of us. I have traumatic brain injuries. I can't remember shit. Okay, everybody mm-hmm. doesn't understand this. Environmental design works, and so as soon as we're done with this podcast. I'm going to text John and say, hey, bud, I love you. I just had the most incredible man on my podcast who's a friend. I think you should connect and you should have him on your show and you guys should just connect about life and business anyways. Can I make an intro? And then because I get his consent, he's going to say yes instantly. Mm -hmm. And then the moment he says yes, I don't have to remember to text you, Sean. I wait till he responds. Mm. And then that's my reminder and accountability. So the moment he says, yes, I stop, I open my phone, I text both of you and I record a video. And the reason I do a video is so I remember why I introduced you. I don't really Mm. need it for any other reason. But in that group thread, I have both of your numbers and I say, hey, John, meet Sean, Sean, meet John. Mm. I'm introducing you both for these reasons. And I think you should do this. I love you both. No need to blow up my text messages. You can text yourselves individually. Keep me updated. And I make the intro. And so I'm like, no need to follow up. You don't need to tell me anything. I love you both. Here you go. But then If anything ever happens, and I mean, this has saved my life thousands of times. Two years down the road, John will be like, dude, do you remember something? I'll be like, oh, and I will literally open my phone and I will have a video there. Or somebody will text me six months later from an event because they're like, I'd love to connect. And so if you came up to me in an event, I'd be like, oh my God, Sean, I'd love to give me your phone. I put my number in and then I open your text messages and I record a video of us together and I text it to myself. And I was like, Sean, it was Mm. such a pleasure to meet you at this event in Salt Lake City. And just don't forget, as soon as I get home, I'm going to send you that thing that I told you about. Just make sure to remind me to send you your email, blank, blank, blank. Mm. And then I go home and do it. But if they don't follow up with me for three months or six months or nine months, Mm. no, no love lost. I I put my touch point out, Mm -hmm. but then without Mm -hmm. fail. Half of those people will text me because I have my number. Something will change in the business. Something will happen. And then I'll Mm -hmm. get a text and I get the text. I'm like, oh, who is this? And I open the video and I'm like, oh, it's Mm -hmm. Sean. And my brain remembers everything, but I don't have to remember it until that moment. So that's actually Mm -hmm. how I do it. Yeah, that's gold, man. I hope everyone watching that implements (laughs) that because that's something easily done. And it's also this, this incredible like touch that you get right after. That, that's a, a personalized message from you to the parties, which is freaking killer. And so, I mean, yeah. who does that? That that sticks out. That's a that's a real deposit for people. And so for everybody listening, since you want to talk about customer journey, what are the three big mistakes? The zone of doubt, the inverse journey, and the drown the journey. Well, if I send a text right away and I acknowledge mm-hmm. them and I make it about why I'm introducing them, there's no zone of doubt. There's no inverse journey. And then if I tell them what to do and say, don't involve me, there's no drown the journey and the next steps are on them. And so no matter Mm. what, all the same ubiquitous principles that I teach everybody, including acknowledge, prepare, project, prehandle, and excite. So you mean Sean and John, hey, I'm introducing you each because you're great men here and acknowledging you, preparing, here's why I'm introducing you and what you'll need to know. Oh, by the way, John's on podcasts all day, Sean. So it might take him 24 hours to get back because that's what he told me. So I prepare it. 
And then I'm like, and mm-hmm. when you're done with each other's shows, I bet you this will happen. I'm projecting what I see you two doing together. And I'm like, no need to awesome. follow up and please don't blow up my text messages pre-handling from my own container. And then <laughs> that's all you guys need. I love you. Go excite. And so for everybody listening, those three mistakes and those five steps that I teach so constantly are the same things applied in that one example. That's killer. That is such killer. A lot of guys will just say, hey, follow up. But that, that you laid out like the nuts and bolts of how to do that and what exactly you do. Yeah. I mean, it's a very implemental. None of, none of that's difficult for some to do, but it, it's a game changer for their business. Word of mouth, referral-based business. You should all do this. Yes. 100%. Yes. Yes. And and for me, like, God, this is going to be such a fun podcast for people to listen to. For me, I got that from a 12-step program. No mm. joke. Codependence mm. Anonymous, the 12-step mm. book, because by the way, I was a sex and love addict that represented with codependency because of my trauma and my homelessness, mm-hmm. right? And so I went through the codependent 12-step program and I read the entire book. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy moly. All mm-hmm. I'm doing in business is creating codependent relationships and wondering why I'm so stressed and they're not getting results. And I was like, because I'm not giving them all the pieces they need to not mm-hmm. need me because there's a part of me that's getting a payoff when they're stuck and they come to me. And so I started to just create these little things where I was like, wait, it's even easier for me as a coach if when I give them the workout, they never have to come ask me how to implement it. And so piece Mm. by piece, I basically took the codependence anonymous manual and I applied it to like what I was doing and then customer journey. And then that's how the five steps and the mistakes came out. Mm. Yeah, so freaking good. They are. Anyone who watches this is going to love this stuff. I, I hope so. I don't even know. I've never talked about this with anybody before. I love well, that. I am going to I'm going to watch and I'm going to take real good notes because I've been like again it's like when you present and you're trying to help people make an impact, you want them to go implement. Well, you you laid out some real structured ways to do it that's really detailed that hey, anyone can just do this stuff. Yeah. Like uh, some people might look at you as like, "Oh, he's talented. He's He's good on this. He's articulate, but I can't do that. But this stuff you can do. Anyone can do this and, and take your take your business to another level and take your relationships to another level. I'm, if I'm, you follow what you just what you just said. I'm telling like w- people joke, but like when I give cold keynotes, they're my favorite. Like cold, like when the audience has no idea who I am. They are my absolute mm. favorite because I'm like, oh, I'm going to mm. offend 25%, 50% of this room. And then they're all going to love me. And we're all going to have a group hug. Like, this is great. Mm. But my opening mm. line is always just to cut to the chase. I'm not going to tell you about my story, but I'm only successful because I'm stupid. And they mm. all laugh. And I'm like, yeah, mm. but that's what you don't understand is that like when I started as an entrepreneur, I didn't have money. I didn't have resources. I didn't even know you could do it. And so all I did was try things every day. And if it didn't work, I didn't do it anymore. And then I did what did. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I look at these things that we talk about. And for years, I complicated the game. And I've literally used this podcast to be like, guys, I made it hard on you five years ago. No, it's easier. It's more simple. This is a deeper principle. It applies everywhere. Hmm. I've been in the rooms with the best people in the world, all of them. 
like my friends, my clients, like the world's greats and number one, and they all say the same thing. And when am I going to listen? And I finally did. And it literally is about simple consistency. And the hardest struggle is that success is simple because on paper it's predictable, but our emotions don't want us to do it all the time. And it's only hard when we get complicated. But in your business, there's only three core needle movers. There's 80% of your revenue comes from one product, one topic, Mm. one sales channel, right? Like Pareto's Mm. principle applies. It's when all the emotions Mm -hmm. and the things get in and we convince ourselves that it's so much harder. And it's just we can't see what's right in front of us. And so I I literally will Mm. say this to everybody. I don't have automated customer journeys everywhere. I don't have like this massive system where like there's millions of pieces moving. We manually Mm. do all of it, but it doesn't require a lot of service because by manually doing it, it reduces hours and hours of workload and complexity that follows and gets in the way of what's needed in the first place. And so when you take, that customer journey stuff and then you think Mm. about and fuck it i'll just give this a master class and like coaching and then you think about the other models i've taught you which is oh the wedge of expectations and the sacred lightkeeper quadrants i'm like oh the sacred lightkeeper quadrants yeah because there's you as a person and then there's you as a person in your business right you're two different Mm. people right you have to mm. exist and work on yourself, right? So, hey, how are you going to yeah. build your mind, your body, and your state of being every day? Do one mm. thing in each thing. And then in your business, what are your three needle movers? And I'm like, mm. you know, boom, boom, boom. Great. You take those and you put them on paper. And we can agree on paper that if you do those things every day for the next six months or 12 months, you will be the person that you want to be. And you're like, yeah. Mm. Well, then life gets in the way and you get punched in the face. And as Mike Tyson Mm. says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. on paper, when you're dreaming, this looks great. But then when you're stressed and you don't know where the money's coming from or that meeting's not there, the kid's home sick, the workout goes out the window, your journaling goes out the window. And then you're like, oh, how am I going to win? Well, that's why we created the wedge of expectation. So you take each one of those habits and you make a floor and a ceiling. Well, on my best day, how many minutes of stillness do I want to do that day? 30 minutes. Mm. Great. Breath work. 20 minutes. Great. Movement. An hour. Okay. On my worst day, what's the minimum I can commit to? Stillness. Five minutes. Movement. A 10-minute walk outside. Mindset. A one-minute breath Mm. practice. Okay. Same thing with your needle movers. So for mine, it's record four podcasts this week. My floor Mm. is outline three ideas. So if I don't feel like doing it or something is getting in the way or life happens, I still have to protect my progress. So Mm. with each measurable thing I put, as long as I hit my floor every day, I'm guaranteed to win because those are deposits into my future. And I learned this from Jeff Mm. Spencer, who literally is Mm. responsible for 70 gold medals at the Olympics, Lance Armstrong coach, Phil Mickelson's coach, an Olympian himself. Mm. And he's like, Olympians win because they understand temperance. It's 70% Mm. for four years and 100% for one day. That's why they win Mm. gold. 70% lets you train forever. And so then you take each one of those habits and behaviors, both for you as a Mm. person, your mind, your body, your being, 
for who you want to be in the future. And then your needle movers in your business, you build a floor and a ceiling and you're like, there's my plan. Well, what if you can't hit your floor because your emotions are overwhelming you? Oh, that's where I created the SOS model, how to get back to one of those tasks. And so those models hold you accountable. It just so happens if you take those same models and you give them to your customers or your coaching clients or your people in your business, that it empowers Mm. them to do the same thing and the same ubiquitous models that you use to build yourself as an entrepreneur that I teach you are the same ones that you apply to customer journey. Mm. And that's kind of the whole ecosystem. So when you hit the stage, is the very first thing out of your mouth that 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 opening line? No, it depends on the audience. So I don't write talks. Everything I just do based on feeling. And so yeah. when I go to speak um, at an event, um, I always, no matter when I'm speaking, I'm, I get there before the event starts um, so I can meet the staff and see how they set up the room. And then I just sit there and pretend like I don't belong and I listen until I go up. Mm. And I kind of get a vibe of the room. I listen. I ask people questions. I'm like, oh, what's your vision? Or I pretend that I don't know what I'm talking about and ask Mm -hmm. questions about coaching Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then they introduce me as a speaker. And then I take all that information and I kind of choose how to connect with the audience. Um, But one thing that I do normally, and and I'd say I do this 95% of the time, uh, Mm -hmm. is I start every talk the same and I call it my 60 seconds of truth. And so I walk up in front of the room and I set a timer and for 60 seconds, I tell them integrously how I feel, including if I'm scared, Mm. if I'm insecure, if there's someone in the room I don't like, or I was afraid to meet, Mm. uh, if I had a bad morning, if I didn't sleep, but whatever integrously feels good to me in that moment, like to be honest, Mm. I share. And then when the timer goes off, I stop and then I start my talk. And that's how I create a safe container for myself. It just so happens Mm. a byproduct is that that's what I need to feel safe and complete and be in flow, to feel like I'm in Mm. integrity. But for the audience, it kind of breaks all the walls and they're like, holy moly, this guy's like really, truly here. And it becomes about the relationship. And so with that, um, I typically, yeah, I typically go and then, you know, with customer journey, I don't know why lately, but everybody wants the same talk and I don't write it, but it's Mm -hmm. around the same lens. And so it's, it's typically yeah. a semblance of that. Well, I think, you know, another book recommendation is a book called Talk Like Ted. Oh, okay. I haven't heard and, about that uh, one. He, he basically, yeah, he basically breaks down the top five TED Talks ever given. And based on, you know, those top five, they're the most biggest impressions made, everything else. And he breaks down and he tries to figure out, is there a science be- behind the top five? Mm. Um, and he finds that the, the top five ever given, like one of them's Bill Gates, one of them's Bono, for instance, and they have this same, they follow the same pattern, um, amongst three areas between emotion, how much time they spend on emotion, how much time they spend on a logic and how much time they spend on credibility. And, uh, it's probably no surprise to you. And based on what you just said and what you laid out there, 70% of the time, they spend in emotion and engaging with the audience. Mm-hmm. So for instance, Bill Gates talked about the silent killer, which is mosquitoes in Africa. And then he actually took a jar out and he released not, not malaria mosquitoes in the room, but he released mosquitoes in the room and created that emotion. And it generally told with stories. So 70% of the time on stage was 70, uh, was emotion. 20% of the time is logic. 
here's the how to's the nuts and bolts and how it works. And then 10% is credibility, mm. which is generally because you're on a stage, you already have credibility. They already know who you are. You've done what you've done. So if you spend, I, I bet you, I bet you've already watched that whole presentation. I would say you would probably hit in that top five. Do you want me to send it to you? It yeah, I would love it, to it, see it that. It happens to be one of the only recorded talks of me in the last two and a half years because it was a private boardroom of all eight figure businesses and they wanted it. Mm -hmm. So I have it. I'll send it to you. How, how do you think you break down based on that on, talk? Honest, how much time do you spend? Honestly, yeah. I would spend, I'd say I spent, I, I hit 60 to 65% in emotion. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember I said, uh, I hate fucking introducing myself. So talky, just get it out mm -hmm. of the way when you bring me up. And uh, he mm -hmm. did that and I thanked him. And then I said, if you want to know more, you're all going to have to ask. And so mm -hmm. then as I was giving my talk on customer journey and someone's like, how'd you learn that? I was like, oh, that's when I got blown up. And then I would only share my story when it was in reference to a teaching point. And yeah. so that way it created an environmental anchor um, around mm -hmm. the story and the credibility was only for them to have clarity around their yeah. moment, not about mine. Yeah. And so I'd yeah. say um with that and then i taught yeah and then the rest of it was probably it was 30 percent how it was probably 20 25 yeah. how because it yeah. was the principle i think what you just said lines up perfectly with that model of there's an actual science on how to engage with people in front of the room and i love the fact that you start off the way you start off in a presentation it's one of my pet peeves is to do the fake stuff hey how's everyone doing out there i'm sorry i can't hear you how's everyone you know that kind of stuff yeah it's just such a pet peeve. Like people remember the beginning of your presentation the most yep. and they remember the end. Yep. It's how adults learn. When you were going to class, you remember a beginning what your teacher was saying. And then at the end, and you're going to use up those powerful, like one or two lines where you can really engage people with, with your opening line. will just, just pull people in immediately yep. versus just the cheap, the, you know, the stuff that's just not no integrity in it. It's just all BS. Yep. Yep. It's like you actually start off and you get, I guarantee people in the room within seconds are pulled into what you're saying. So let me, the way you've done it. I think you'll appreciate this because I didn't learn this by choice. This was, and I have to thank Lindsay, but when I was a food blogger and I was a New York times bestselling cookbook author, I was still bulimic and I was mm. on book tour teaching health while still struggling with my addictions. And mm. I'll never forget this. I was in Austin, Texas, and I was about to give a keynote to a lot of people. And I remember the keynote. Mm. It was three ways to use food to create breakthrough results in your life because you eat three times a day. So if you can habit stack and environmentally anchor in some other behaviors, you can recondition some bad habits pretty quickly. I remember this. This was like eight years ago. Mm. And mm. we're in the hotel room, I get dressed and I'm about to walk out and Lindsay looks me dead in the eye and she says, are you really going to go out there and lie again? And I, I knew exactly what she meant. I knew like mm. she was the only one who knew and I knew and my mm. whole life stopped, Sean, like, I mean, stopped. Like I was like, mm. I can't go give this talk. And if I don't go get honest, we're divorced. If I go mm. up there and get honest, my career's over. I'm in the middle of mm. a tour. I'm under contract. I'm literally about to tell all these people that I've been lying to them for the last seven years because I was literally purging in a toilet an hour ago. I'm still taking mm. opiates and I'm a fraud and I'm hiding in plain sight. That all happened. Mm. And so 
I literally, and I have a photo of this somewhere, but I was in a white and blue striped shirt. And by the time I was on that stage, I was drenched. And I'll never forget this. I walked out and I couldn't speak, Sean. I literally couldn't give my talk. And so the Mm. only thing I could do was get honest. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was I've been lying to all of you. And then it Mm. was just blur. And I'll never forget the audience. I saw people Mm. standing up. I saw people on their phones. There was a lot of people. And I was literally like, I'm about to commit career suicide. I thought I was going to get arrested. I thought my publisher was going to fire me. My wife was going to leave me. All my business partners were going to leave. Like I literally was like, my life Mm. is over. And I'll never forget. All I said is I've been lying to you. And the people that were Mm. on their phones looked up. The people that were standing looked at me and then I just started talking and was like, I purged this morning. I'm still struggling with this and I'm trying so hard to get better. And I need to be honest. The reason I'm giving this talk is because this is what I'm working on right now and blank, mm. blank, blank. And uh, everybody that was standing up, sat down, everybody engaged. And then I gave the rest of my talk and I swear to God, I hugged 500 people when I was done and Jeez. to be seen like that, in my truth in like the lowest of rawest of moments and then like the freedom that it created in me but like that was the first time I felt free like Mm. not shackled not afraid of my feelings and then just so Mm. everybody knows how much I use environmental design go google my name and google images or on social media and you'll see a two-year period where I wore a t-shirt that said the same thing every single day and it said unapologetically authentic now you know why And I wore that t-shirt every day and I would be in the middle of keynotes and I would be in the middle of meetings. And I'm like, wait, stop. And they're like, why? I'm like, I just said that for my ego. I'm having a really Mm. bad thought right now. I just want to clean it up. And they're like, oh yeah, we're good. And then I just kept flexing that muscle like it was an addiction Mm. over and over. And so that's where that 60 seconds of truth came from is that I've never felt more clear, more clean and more integrous, even in my nerves, Mm. even in my shame than me just willingly like eight miling myself like hey Mm. i did throw up i do live in a trailer with my mom i did (laughs) and boom Mm. now i'm here to serve you and so that's where that came from Mm. uh man i love i absolutely love that experience you shared uh another great book Uh, have you uh, read the book wild at heart yes incredible you know, it's, it's got religion in there, but he, he, I, that I never forget like that example he shared about two guys at church. One's got a daughter going through this, you know, crisis with drug abuse and the other one's having a big time struggle with his wife and they meet each other at church and, and it's God bless brother. Things are so great. Oh man, how's your life? It's, and it's all just absolute fake garbage. And they come away with then even feeling worse than actually with uh, someone who's a friend, being able to be willing to be vulnerable in what you shared on stage, what, what happens is those walls come down and actual true, true benefit happens in those moments. Like mm-hmm. true change happens, true advice. Uh, like when those walls are gone and you can actually say, you know, I actually had uh, a cousin who went through this same thing. And here's some things and give a perspective and actually come away and both be edified is, is really where it comes from being willing to be vulnerable and being authentic and being actual real person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. I'm going to close this loop all the way from earlier because you just made such a valid point that I think is so powerful. But remember when I asked you about communication, you're like, ask an open-ended question, right? Like create the space 
for somebody to be honest. And, and one of the things that I was challenged by a personal development teacher 12 years ago, 11 years ago, and I, I thank her to this day for it, the level of integrity and communication relationships with people and how easy it is to practice and flex this, but how often we don't, but like, think about walking into the office every day and how many times we walk by everybody and we're like, Hey, how's your morning? We're like, good, great. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But how many of those are lies? And when do we stop and make eye contact and be like, no, really, how is your morning? Or when somebody asks you, right. And this is my favorite one. Like I pulled up to the coffee shop this morning and Claire's like, George, how's your morning? And I was like, oh, it's fucking horrendous. Branson threw up again last mm -hmm. night, but I still get up, got my steps and I'm out the door, but I'm so stoked to see you. I really need my coffee. And she's like, God, I love right. how honest you are. I'm like, well, that's really how my morning is. And then she's like, oh right. my God, well, actually I got my steps in and I'm really proud of myself. And that thing that we talked about the other day is working and I'm really excited about this. Right. And it creates this, this moment. Mm. Right. And yeah, you, you know, no matter what, like, and, and, you know, you talk about sales, you talk about team, you talk about your mm -hmm. friends, you talk about humans, you talk about anybody. Human beings require one thing to make any decision and it's to feel safe. And the only mm. way that somebody can feel safe is if you create a container that allows that to happen. And if you start mm. with questions and even apply some of these things that we've talked about into those experiences, it's just magical. But mm. like, I think the thing I struggled with so long is that I was like, it's so complicated. It's so hard. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's so easy. We're mm. surrounded by it all the time, yeah. but we have to take the invitation. Right. We have to be yeah. like, oh, I'm going to lead this or I'm going to go deep here or I'm going to ask a question mm -hmm. or I'm going to make sure that I make an intro and I follow it up or that I set them up to yeah. succeed or I'm willing to take a deposit or a withdrawal from the reciprocity account. I just think it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And you started off before we even started, you came right out of the gates and talked about what you're kind of going through. And I was like, this is exactly, you practice what you preach. It's not like you're presenting something and then you live in a different way. This is authentic, authentically who you are. This is how you live on a daily basis. I, I mean, we saw yeah. it before. We, we didn't film that piece. You should have filmed that piece <laughs> yeah. because it was so good. He's like right out of the gates. Hey, this is what I'm, I'm going through. Now I feel alignment and integrity. Let's chat. And it, and it just, for me, it just like, Hey, this is a real conversation right out of the gates. And you created that container. Like you mentioned, yeah. to have a safe environment where we can chat well, and, and actually get real benefit. Well, and I think, and I, I would actually love your, you know, like I, I look at you and I, and I like, and I love when you drop that Stephen Covey quote, it's such a powerful mm -hmm. reminder. Right. But mm -hmm. like, when you look at, when you look at relationships, like when I think about my biggest breakthroughs and in, in relation to what you shared earlier, like understanding the physical pain that you went through when you couldn't make payroll that night and like having that visceral mm -hmm. experience that that chemically changes mm -hmm. you in a way that can yeah. only be done from the inside out it doesn't happen from the outside mm. in right like mm. but in that same lens is when you get out of that and you're in those meetings with your business partners and you're leveraging those relationships like some of my favorite memories my favorite moments my biggest breakthroughs have come from being in conversation with someone like you in the darkest mm -hmm. of times of my life, because one of us was willing to mm -hmm. be really honest about how the other one felt or how one of us felt, mm. right? Like yeah. I have visceral and hundreds of memories of those. Like I have one from four weeks ago with my dear friend, Brian Bogart, who mm -hmm. I also need to introduce yes, you so to. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know Brian? I don't know Brian. Oh yeah, but I, I, I've seen him. Yeah, yeah, I need to introduce you to Brian. Him and I were on FaceTime yesterday, but we had a good cry together like three days ago. And 
It's awesome. It was one of these things where like, we're both reconnecting and we're jumping on FaceTime. Right. And we're like doing the pleasantries. Right. We're like, Oh dude, it's so, Mm -hmm. and then he's like, cut the shit. And I was like, yeah, you too. I'll start. And then within like two minutes, we're both bawling our eyes out. And then 90 seconds later, we're smiling. And then for the rest of the day, it was like breakthrough, breakthrough, song to listen to, breakthrough, appreciate you, gratitude, right? And so Mm. have you seen that as well? Because you're so deep into communication. Yeah, Yeah, I would just kind of love to hear your experience around that. Yeah, so I like there's I do like maybe three events a week. Like I, I did one this morning called Trust Trust Equity, right? And so Trust I did Equity? Maybe three or four where I Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a group that I, we had twenty people in the room next to us at my office here. And um so I do like three or four of those a week. And so I do a ton of events. I go to a lot of stuff and I could count on maybe two hand maybe one or two hands authentic, real walls are down. I still remember I, I did this one. It was just a small little event and we were going down round Robin and, Oh, I'm crushing in this. I'm crushing that. He was doing these intros. And, and I was struggling with my daughter at the time, my 17 year old. And I said, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm actually going through something right now with my 17 year old. And I, I, you know, I think balance is like impossible. I've never been able to experience that balance of time work-life balance. And, and I'd been grinding, I'd been traveling a lot and I totally let her down. I let her down the day before I was supposed to be there for, her, and I wasn't there. And it was something she was looking forward to. And I, so I just, I unpacked all that in yeah. front of all these people. Yeah. And, um, and, and all of a sudden I got like the walls disappeared and everyone's like, you know, this is actually what I'm doing. This is what I'm experiencing. And I actually got really good father advice in that moment. And, and then from that, like you said, text afterwards, Hey, uh, try this with your daughter, try this with your daughter. You're like, what about this? And I got actually really good counsel and advice yeah. because I was willing to say to just be vulnerable myself and be truthful and honest with people, which is like so rare. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But th- that's just a small handful of meetings that I have like that, that I love, you know, that I love being a part of because that's, that's where I get impact. Yeah. I got, I got, I got something that grinds me that I've never talked about, but I'm going to talk about it right now. I, I, I get grinded yeah. by this all the time because I watch entrepreneurs struggle all the time. Like I get hundreds of DMS a week and questions and comments. Right. And the biggest challenge is when you're given the opportunity to ask a question, the only way to get the answer that you're looking for is to give all the ingredients of the question. And the only Mm. way to do that is to be radically honest. And I watch Mm. people have access to hundreds of thousands of dollars of free coaching and free advice Mm -hmm. that they can't get because they're not asking the complete question, but then they'll Mm. wait until it hurts bad enough and then go pay money to then ask the full question and say, Oh, it got so bad. I'm so broken. Here's what's really going on to make it worse. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I have learned that we are surrounded by our answers, but we have to be willing to ask because it's not going to be given to us. But like, I've said this to people, like people have literally come up to me after events, like, dude, I'd love to set up a call. I'd love to see what it's like for you to like work with you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just ask me the question. 
And they're like, oh, no, no. I'm like, no, no, I want to answer it right now. And I'm like, just let me answer the question. And like people have trouble sometimes even. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't like, I don't want to take your money. And then I'm like, ask me the question. And oh, right. And so like, you got to be willing to get really honest. And and I know it might be uncomfortable, but I'm going to tell everybody, no matter which way you slice it, if you want to go the kids model, there's a book called Bear Through the Woods. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You have to go through it, right? If you want to take the mm-hmm. adult model, go read Extreme Ownership by Jocko or any personal development course, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to take an yeah. animal example, what do buffaloes do when a storm is coming? Okay, like pick mm-hmm. yes. your path. <laughs> but mm-hmm. either way, it comes down to you. And I have found that the more willing I am to be radically honest, as long as it's integrously for me, no matter what the response is on the other side, I have to mm-hmm. be willing to accept a no because not everything's going to be a yes. But I bet you if I ask enough, I will find way more yeses than if I never ask because I'm afraid I'm going to get a no. But I, I have to it. ask the full question, right? And so like mm-hmm. for me, I have no problem being like, Sean, this is like, yeah, that moment you had in your bed that I had seven years ago, I felt that again nine weeks ago. Mm. And it was for two nights. And it was like the mm. dark night of the soul. And yeah, mm. here's where I need help, right? But the more willing and the more willing we are to be honest, but really honest with ourselves, the mm. faster we're going to win the game. Because if you can't ask the question that includes all the things that you know, you're never going to get the answer to solve those things ever. That's so great, man. And there is an I think the worst. Yeah, go ahead. The worst advice ever given, I think, is uh, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. it it's, it's something I hate more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, people like we're in this society where it's like, oh, I'm crushing it and things are good. And you have this front that pe- most people put the front up. And it's like, I got to fake like I'm doing that. Well, anyone who's actually made it and who is successful, they can read that so fast. You're never going to do business with someone like that. Nope. I mean, people who have actually experienced success and have had it, they're talking about real stuff like, hey, you know, I'm actually dealing with this problem right here. I have 50 people out here and this is something I'm dealing with. Yeah. And that's how people who have actually made it. Everyone I've talked to that's been way successful is actually more real because they're like, this is actually the stuff I'm chewing glass right now. Yep. I'm, fi- I'm, I'm trying to figure out my manufacturing. This is my cost of shot up here. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that people are talking about. So if you come in and have this fake kind of thing until you can eventually make it, I think it's the worst thing you can do because no one's going to take it serious. Yeah. And it's marketers that take it out of context, right? Because like in the lens of personal development and embodiment, yeah, but that's that's different than like putting on a front, right? You have to be faking yeah. the right. right workout to get the right result, right? Oh, like yeah. I, I was joking with somebody. I just ran that women's retreat in Bali and we were having like a good chuckle. And I was like, everybody do realize is that you can't manifest money, right? Money comes after an equal mm. sign. There's intention mm. and inputs required. Like something plus something has to equal mm. money. Like, so you do realize that manifestation still requires intentional action, right? Like Mm. it it shows up as a byproduct. The reason we lose Mm. is because in the lens of, and we used to teach this in long distance shooting, but in the lens of long distance shooting or in shooting in general, even a pistol, uh, the trap is if the target is clear, you'll miss the target. Mm. The front sight post has to be clear. If you're using iron sights to hit the target, Mm. the target's blurry because the target's a byproduct of making sure that your inputs Mm. are correct. And that's, 
what revenue is. And so like, even with manifestation, Mm -hmm. it still requires (laughs) this intentional action, not faking or pretending or Uh like it's going to magically drop in. But um, I haven't actually talked about this book on the podcast, but there was a book that I read uh, around that time when that keynote happened, where I got really honest and it really, really helped. And it was called Radical Honesty. And I believe his name was Tim Mm -hmm. Blinton or something like that. I just remember my, my wife told me to read it and she said, don't go to the conference. And I was like, noted. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, they, they, they pattern interrupt and do this like personal development. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, you have to stand on stage naked. And the entire audience is radically honest about how you look so you can get comfortable and self-aware and learn how to accept yourself. And I was like, well, I'll read the book. I'm good on the conference. So just so everybody, there's my, there's my barometer uh, recommendation for the book, uh, but radical honesty. I'm going to do that one. I followed through on every one of your books because I loved what you told me last time. It really was amazing. Yeah, man. I, I love it. And I, I love this conversation. I think I want to start landing it because for everybody listening, uh, I was telling Sean before we need to do round two, but we need to do round two in the lighthouse cave in Montana. I'll come out there um, because I, I really enjoy and love our conversations and there's so much to unpack and so much wisdom in you and just things that I'm excited to share. And so, um, yeah, actually, you know, before we wrap a couple, a couple of questions for you, cause I'm actually innately curious. I really do love learning from you. And so I already wrote down mm-hmm. the Ted talk book, but like, what mm-hmm. would you say yeah. are like your top three, like recommended reads for entrepreneurs? So my, my number one, uh, book is called crucial conversations. Yep. Haven't read that either. Crucial conversations. It's uh, basically my neck. The reason why it became one of my partly is my neighbor was the author. His name is Ron McMillan. And essentially they wanted to figure out what made in organizations, what drove performance and what they found is it's based all on communication. And they, they found that most managers were great 90% of the time in communication, but the hard messages they were massive failures at. Mm. The most common way they would fail in hard messages is not to have it and go silent or they would lash out, go violent. And so the book unpacks how to basically have a real conversation with someone to help them perform better and treat them like an individual and treat them in a safe environment wow. with no emotion and just lay things out. I love it. I just bought it. Over 5 million copies sold. I can see why. Man, it is, it is absolute life-changing. And then the, the second one is I love Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the great thought leaders of our day. There's a book called uh, David and Goliath, and it's just a bunch of short stories. And it's how we misjudge who the Goliath is in the stories. Well, number one and number two is all the uh, Davids overcome the Goliath using real strategy. So no matter what you're facing, we probably mislabel what we're facing as a Goliath. And we can actually overcome things using strategy. Mm-hmm. I love that one. So I absolutely love that book. And then the, the third one is, is I love the book, Elon, mm-hmm. Elon Musk. I just started. I'm like two and a half hours in. Yeah. It's, it's excellent, right? Yep. Yep. It is. I mean, he, here he is 2008, just went through a divorce. He's on the verge of losing both companies between, you know, Tesla and SpaceX. And he's got $32 million left in his name. And he has to, he basically is, is in a position where he has to choose one. One's going to die. The other one's going to live potentially. And he can't do it. He splits the money, puts it on both sides. He has zero money at that point. So it's just a fascinating, I love that book. I love that. Those are the top three. 
I love that. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you said those because crucial conversations. I haven't. I haven't read for sure. And based on your description, I'm mm-hmm. going to start that one in tomorrow's steps mm-hmm. because that one, sweet, that one makes me happy. So, um, I have two questions left. One is one is mm-hmm. could go either way, but I, I just I'm really really curious now because of your breadth of experience and how long you've been in this game. Like you, your business partners with Kevin O'Leary, you have Tax Hive, right? Massively successful mm-hmm. company. You have events. You have all this yep. knowledge. Like in all of this experience and all of that now, like what would you say now is like your no matter what non-negotiable required daily practice that like you'll never let go of or you think is like one of the most important tools in your arsenal for you? Yeah. So for me, uh, I think I think most entrepreneurs, they just schedule their day Sometimes in the morning they might, and sometimes they just fill it with stuff. It's like the Stephen R. Covey is they, they spend time with urgent things, but not important, right? To, to me, one of the greatest things are relationships. So if that's like my number one priority between my family, I, I need to make sure I have that scheduled before my week even starts. That's one. Two is, is there's a book called uh, Never Eat Lunch Alone. Um and so I always schedule my lunches out. So I'm scheduled out for three weeks right now on my lunches. That's I don't amazing. have, I have someone who just came in for our lunch appointment, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. We're a little over. So, I apologize. So no, it's good. So I actually scheduled out three weeks. That's so I, certain things that I think just schedule the most important things first. Mm. That's what I'd say. Schedule those first and then you can fill in other stuff. Yeah. But People just get so sideways and then they kind of schedule as they go and they're like, hey, what's happened to my relationships? And I don't have a personal relationship with my family and I don't have this is because they haven't scheduled the first and most important things first. Yep. And then then add things in after that. I love that. And by the way, I'm taking that little note and just that little scheduling your lunches out. I can mm-hmm. I'm going to utilize that time very remotely and intentionally because I had a, quite a few good thoughts from that one. So thank you for that little nugget. Awesome. And awesome. then. Before I ask the last question though, where is the best place? We're going to link everything in the show notes for you, but like, where is the, like, where do you prefer that people connect with you? Yeah. So I'm on social with uh, Finnegan, Sean or Sean Finnegan. You can find me anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Tax Hive, go to taxhive.com. We built, even if you don't engage with taxes with us, we've built tons of content from Kevin on there. A ton. Tons of videos. We want to lead with value, the go-giver model. It's like, Hey, give people a ton of value out there. So taxhive.com, go check it out. Yeah, for sure. And we'll link okay. it, we'll link everything in the show notes. I know for me, Sean right. and I, uh, on Instagram, it's Finnegan Sean. Um, and then mm-hmm. Facebook is where I'm connected with him. But we'll make sure we link in the show yeah. notes. But everybody, I do recommend, and, and Sean very much operates like me. If there was any takeaway, any questions, any feedback, I'm pretty sure he's just like me. He would love to hear. So please shoot him a DM. 100%. Connect with him, do all that. Um, and so, Sean, my final question, just to, before we land the plane of the show, um, are you still there? You got me? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so last question yeah. is, uh, this is my favorite one. You've seen Men in Black, right? Yes. You know, the little flashy thing where they make everybody forget oh, yeah. everything that you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I just want you to envision yep. that everybody listening forgot our entire conversation. But in this uh-huh. moment, you have the ability to tattoo any wisdom on their soul to take with them for the rest of their life. What would your tattoo wisdom be? So I I, I love that question, first of all, and I'd love to have one of those devices. Me too. Times, Me right? too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the 
the greatest way to scale is scale your relationships. So I just think if you if you just go leave there, if you take all this stuff, but you just leave that with that one thing is like, hey, how do I scale better my relationships I have with my family, with my business people, with my customers? That's going to be the best way for you to scale your business. Wow. That is a incredible one that is so fitting and I love it. And I couldn't think of a better way to end the show. So Sean, from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for being here, having a comrade. Thanks for asking me questions on my podcast. That felt a little interesting, but I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And the the safe container. Because I love learning from you, man. Oh, I, I really vi- vice versa, man. I could do this with you all day, yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. And so um, for everybody listening, thank you. Uh, thanks for hearing. Uh, I would love to hear your takeaways, your feedback. And even if you have any questions for Sean, shoot them my way on Instagram because I'll mm-hmm. keep them in the queue. Uh, and when Sean and I schedule round two, we'll have them come back. So we'll have everything linked below. Um, and as always, I just feel called to say this. The most important thing you can do is take one thing from today and earn the right to grab the next thing. So grab one thing, mm-hmm. whether it's scaling your relationships, whether it's scheduling out a lunch, whether it's getting radically honest in a conversation, whether it's putting a model into practice, whatever landed for you today, take that one and run with it and then come back and do the next one, but put it into practice because shelf help is not going to work. And so remember that relationships will always be the algorithms, especially the most important one, which is the one with you. We'll either see in the next episode or you'll hear me in your earballs, but either way, we're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.